0: This is Chris Damien, and you're listening to a recorded conversation I had with a Catholic school teacher about the firing of unmarried employees who become pregnant while working at Catholic institutions. Actually, it was a conversation about her experience. She was an elementary school teacher at Epiphany Catholic School in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. She was an unmarried teacher who unexpectedly was having health issues and realized she was miscarrying. But a later doctor's appointment revealed that she was still pregnant, that she had had twins and miscarried one of them. She learned that the baby that survived had significant health issues and that she would have a challenging high-risk pregnancy. She eventually had to share the pregnancy with her principal and the pastor of the school's parish. They communicated to her that the only way she could be sure to keep her job would be to get married as soon as possible. The pastor said he could do it the following month that her boyfriend was sexually ready to get married, that he should stand up for her. But she said that all her focus and energy was on her sick baby and that she couldn't prepare in that timeline for the sacrament. But she also couldn't afford to be without health insurance while she faced her high-risk pregnancy with a very sick baby. She appealed to her archdiocese, the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis for help. They told her they don't get involved in employment disputes. So, she did what she thought was her only choice, sign a contract where she would leave her job at the end of the semester, not tell her students why, and agree to never speak of what the school had done. The school took away her voice and her story in exchange for the remainder of her salary and health insurance for her and her sick baby. I recorded this conversation before she signed the contract. We have not spoken about it since. Let's see. All right. So um, maybe just kind of start off. Could you just share kind of the experience, of like first finding out you're pregnant?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, that was insane. I was told about three years ago that I uh, would need surgery to have a kid. Um, so I just kind of tabled that and was like, cool, I'm in charge of when I can have a child. Uh, turns out I was wrong. <laughs> So um yeah, ended up taking a pregnancy test and finding out I was pregnant. Super surprised. Um, kind of had it in my head that I needed to see a doctor to confirm it because it seemed still like a fluke. Um, uh, made a doctor's appointment. And then when I got back, all of this happened during my cousin's wedding, randomly enough. And when I got back, Um, the first day of teacher training workshops, I actually started having a miscarriage before I was supposed to go to the doctor. So I powered through the workshops and then went immediately to the ER and um, was told it was a problem miscarriage. They could see the heartbeat. And then I had a doctor's appointment the next day. So they were like, keep your appointment, go tomorrow, but you're probably having a miscarriage. So I went home like, absolutely devastated and confused and like was had a horrible time at the doctor and yeah. just because it's covid and no one can be seen i was sitting in the lobby for so long and just like bleeding everywhere it was the worst and then mm-hmm. um the next day the doctor tried to um cancel my appointment because they uh were like no you were just seen yesterday and i was like no i'm going to come in anyway so i went in And then there was no heartbeat, um, which was super like confirmed what they had told me the night before and really sad and just went home and was so, so sad that whole weekend. And then they had a follow-up appointment. They were like, yeah, there's no heartbeat. Let's schedule the surgery for you to like have kids when you want to have kids. So then we scheduled like a meeting for me to meet with the surgeon in a couple of weeks and I went back in. On a Wednesday, they had me fill out like, or they they had me go in. I took a bunch of tests. They were like, everything seems kind of weird, but we'll let you know. And so then they called me the next day at work and had me like immediately go in. So I had now this is like the f- second week of school. I'm getting called for my doctor to like surprise go back in to the doctor, and so I go back in. I get a sub. They find out that I'm still pregnant, uh, which is crazy because there was no heartbeat. um, And they think it was probably twins. And the, because of the way my uterus is, that they just confirmed the miscarriage of one. And the other one was there the whole time. So I find out I'm about eight weeks pregnant, the second week of school. And so in my head, and then I go back in and all my students are like, where were you? And I was like the doctor. And they're like, why? And I was like, I don't really know.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, they dropped it. And so then I have it in my mind, like, okay, after 12 weeks, my next appointment, I have to tell my work because that's like when you tell people and I knew kind of the like stigma around the fact that I'm not married. Um, and so I, even though we were planning on getting married next year sometime or next spring sometime, um, that just pretty much came to a halt because we wanted to figure out what's going on, like what it meant to have a baby. And I already had a miscarriage. Was this one going to keep, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to get, I like 12 weeks became my only goal. Yeah. It was like get through these 12 weeks um, or get to week 12. So about a month goes by. Um, I have another doctor's appointment. And you go in and find out the baby has an emphalocele, which means it's uh part of its digestive tract are growing outside of its body. So it's a giant emphalocele. So the liver, small and large intestine are all in a yeah. like sack outside of the baby's body. Yeah. Uh, it happens in like one in 10,000 uh, pregnancies. Uh, it's pretty rare. It's totally random. There's no cause for it. Mm. Um, but it just looks totally different. The landscape of what I thought my already super complicated, challenging pregnancy was. So I went to the doctor knowing I was probably going to be high risk because of everything leading up to it. And then finding that out, I was just like absolutely devastated because they have evidence that it's connected to all these like chromosomal abnormalities and like Mm. there's a high mortality rate. And so now I'm like carrying a child who I don't even know is going to make it through any day or like what's going on. So I do some chromosome testing after that. Um, and at this point, I'd been taking a lot of sick days at work. And my coworker was like, What's going on? You're being weird, what's going on? And I, while I was having a miscarriage, was like, ah, something's wrong with my uterus and felt comfortable at that because I was sure, having yeah. a miscarriage. And that's a thing you can share. And and so she was very like comforting and endearing. And then later my coworker was like, you're being weird. And I was like, yeah, I'm being weird. Cause I was super tired. I was yeah. having a miscarriage still while I was still pregnant with the twin and just exhausted and needing to take a lot of breaks. And I was like, well, yeah, here's the deal. So after I made it to the 12 week mark around like the 13 week mark, I tell my first coworker um, who has the same thought I do, which is like, oh my gosh, what does that mean for your job? Like, mm, yeah, are you getting married was basically her first follow-up question. Yeah. And so with that in mind, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know when to tell the principal. I don't know when to tell my coworkers or what's going on. I just need to like find out more information. So another couple of weeks go by, I find out that it's a boy. There's no chromosome abnormalities. Oh. Um, but it's still going to be like a really long road. And now all of a sudden I have twice as many doctor's appointments as I would normally have. Things go crazy at the school, uh, with a little COVID outburst. Um, and so the principal is out, uh, with COVID herself Mm -hmm. for a while and her husband passed away from COVID. Um, and so she was out for bereavement. And so that brings us to like, week 18. Um so I make it through the first like trimester of the school year and get all the grades in. And around that time I'm like, okay, I got through the third first third of the year with the kids. I should start, I should still tell the principal. So she had emailed me and was like telling ask telling me I was putting my sick time wrong. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Let's meet and talk about it. I need to talk to you about my sick time anyways. So I sent her an email. We arranged a meeting. I go in and I just basically tell her the whole story of my pregnancy journeys, and she's just sits with there and is like, "You need to talk to uh, Father Duffner." After she's like very generous and asking me a ton of questions and saying to, "I'm in her prayers," and she'll do whatever she can and just very supportive and loving and like handled it very well. But it was like, "You should talk to him," and I said, and she asked me when, and I said, "Well, I can do it." Today, my story's not going to change. Like, it's the same story. And I included with her that I were waiting until after the baby was born and healthy to, like, reconsider or, like, a restart our marriage process. And so then she directs me to Father Duffner, who's out of town. I end up talking to him the Wednesday before um, Thanksgiving. So I go in. I start telling him the same story about what was happening, what was going on. Um, and then he starts talking to me about how he can get me married by Christmas and that if I was planning on getting married, I should just get married. There's no point in waiting, that it would ma- it's kind of like questionable and tricky what my employment would look like. Um, although that's very brief, his main focus is like what I'm like, what my partner is like, and insinuating that if he doesn't like, publicly show up for me then it's not like he's not showing up for me Uh, saying things like he's obviously sexually ready to be married um saying things like in world war ii there were weddings at 9 a.m 10 a.m and 11 a.m people think about their wedding and this dream day and all this jazz uh and everything needs to be perfect and i was like i stopped in there and said well that's not me. I was like, that's not my boyfriend. He works in weddings and we were planning on doing a small wedding with our family, like for fun and in in Scotland. And he goes, well, you can just get married here and go to Scotland for your honeymoon. And I was like, you're not (laughs) listening to me. Um, so I'm feeling very small and very confused and very intimidated, uh, he was also like the guest pastor at my high school sometimes. So I've known him basically all my formative years as a Catholic. And so he left, he, as I was leaving, he was pretty much asking me to like meet with my boyfriend. Uh, he's like, I think that's something I could do. If you want, I can put you in touch with, I can do your marriage prep. I can put you in touch with the pre-cana coordinator here. Um, you'd really like her. Um, but we can get this done if that's what you want. And I was still very hesitant of, I just said, thank you. And then left. And then from there, I get an email the following Sunday of Thanksgiving that says I have until the feast of the immaculate conception, December 8th to uh, say what my plan is, uh, is what the email is from Ann and, um, Jay, who is in charge of the parish, I don't know his exact role is, um, is CC'd on it. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, my plan would be to stay through spring break. Um, cause that's my mark for when I can have the baby with the doctors. It's, that's like the earliest I can have a baby with the most best outcome, which brings us through the second third of the school year. So after that, I um, go to work um, for a, about a week and just stress and talk to my coworkers. Now at this point now, three of my coworkers no. All the female teachers I work with no. and or my middle school team, no. And they're all very supportive and very um, non-judgmental. And one of them is also pregnant. Um, and so it was really hard having her across the hall from me and the kids getting really excited and telling her congratulations and making her cards and drawing how big her baby is on the board when I'm wearing baggy sweaters.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and she's great. And she understood how hard it was for me. So like when the kids all found out, cause she told me she was going to tell them and which she told me before. And when they were all congratulating her and swarming her in the hallway, I was standing right next to her and she just reached over and squeezed my hand mm-hmm. because she was like, I just, she was like, I hate that you're going through this and knowing all about the impalcio and like my concerns and just like I mean that's it that's what Catholicism is is those moments of like non-judgmental love um I'm just knowing like I'm here for you and so this the week goes on I follow up with Father Duffner just to confirm kind of what he meant like I was in a in a daze about Everything he said and trying to process it. So I sent him an email just covering everything that he told me. Um, and being like, Can we talk? And he emails me five minutes later and said, Yes, I'll call me tomorrow. So I wait till I get home um, from school because it's my personal life and I don't want to be talking about it in my classroom. Um, and so I come home. Um, I try to call him, I get a hold of his like certain people in the office and they're like, Oh yeah, he's about getting out of a meeting. He'll call you when he's done. Um, do like my actual job and make some gym reservations and stuff on this same phone call. And then um, hang up and wait for a callback that I don't get. The following day I get an email. The principal emails me and says, come down and meet at nine fifteen with me and uh, Jay, who's in charge of, I don't know, a bunch of stuff. And he, I come down, um, December 7th, like a day before my deadline and they say, what's the plan? And I say something along the lines of, well, what are my options? And then their option is, well, you, the plan is to not have you come back after Christmas break. December 22nd would be your last day, um, just to protect the kids but they offered me my full pay and my full medical coverage for the rest of my contract. So it was the weirdest experience of support and like distrust um, because I had been vocal the whole time about not wanting to get married, and I asked. I said, "Well, how can I keep my job? What's my option for staying?" And they said, "You can get married, and if that's something you wish to pursue or wish to work through, um, that is between you and um, the parish. But it's it would ha- it would help." Was basically the implication. So I am kind of baffled, a little dazed. They tell me they're going to get a contract for me to look over. And then most of it was just logistics of who's going to do what parts of my job and what it's going to look like and what the expectation for me is to get everything ready. And then I basically follow up, I believe and and say like, I'm not getting married. It's not something I want to do before this baby is born. And then it was kind of like, if that ever changes, let us know basically, but the outward support of we're doing this for you and for the baby. And like, we want you to not worry financially and not worry medically, um, has been really emphasized. But I think a huge part that's not being emphasized is like the mental health of myself, but also the students at my school, like to have a teacher leave mid-year, uh, especially a teacher that is, I'm very involved. I mean, just yesterday I planned a middle school social for all of them to go to and over half the middle school came and like decorated cookies and danced and played sports. Um, and I organize all these things. I'm in charge of all these clubs. So when they were trying to figure out maybe where my mailbox, my inbox would go to, it was, well, like, what don't you do? Um, So I think it's like a huge disservice to have the cornerstone issue be my marital status when that is just a tiny part of what my professional life is. It's the, you know, modeling Catholic behavior and what comes on with modeling Catholic behavior is also forgiveness and is also loving the sinner and hating the sin and having those teachable moments of we all make mistakes. And like, I went to confession. It's the thing that I was like, I'm really upset about this. And, and my sins were absolved and that was that should be enough in my mind. and it's it's something that is a fine line and a tough decision to make of what issue is more important here, because the baby itself is not the issue. It's a pro-life choice to keep the baby, which is completely supported. However, it's the physical manifestation of the baby on my body. That's an issue. And the fact that there's not a ring on my finger. And then you get into the realm of lying. Like, do you lie to the students and say you're married? Do you lie to your true beliefs and get the abortion and then keep your job? It's just, it gets so messy because we're messy as a species, like we're, humans are messy and we make mistakes. And most of what I hope to teach my kids is like what it means to fail and how you fail and what you do when you fail. And like that God forgives you when you do those things, that's what they're taught. And that's how I grew up. So then to have kind of a twisted convoluted opposite happened to me. It just rattles my whole perspective on the religion I thought I was a part of. Yeah. So that brings us to now I have a contract that feels like a hush money bribe contract where I have specific verbiage I can and can't say. And as their English teacher, words are my life. I I feel so strongly that kids should develop their own voice and be responsible for things they say and especially speaking out against injustices. And here I am having an injustice given to me on a silver platter with a, like giving a bribe on a silver platter to shut up about my injustice. Under the guise of, who else? who's gonna hire a pregnant woman for two months? Who has a high risk baby? Who's gonna need to go to a ton of doctor's appointments? And then what does my future look like after that? I mean, my contract goes till August. I, if I have a baby in the hospital, how am I applying to jobs? How am I getting out there and networking? Am I blacklisted? And so then this contract, they say, I can only say certain things. I have to say, I voluntarily resigned from my employment. And I don't voluntarily resign. If it was up to me, I would leave when the baby was born. Or if I have to go on bed rest, it would be deemed by my body, not my ability to teach. And I got them to add for personal medical reasons. And I confirmed yesterday that I can say to my students, I am leaving voluntarily for personal medical reasons. Because at one point I was confused if I could even say goodbye or not. Mm -hmm. My fear is that over the weekend, they're going to say, you know, oh, nope, we're not coming back. It's, we're not coming back for these three days of our break. And then I won't get to say goodbye. And then these kids I am a lot of these kids' favorite teachers. They tell me a lot. And to have their favorite teacher gone mysteriously and everyone is hushed to talk about it. Can't do that to middle schoolers. So I've been scrambling. i have making 12 plus weeks of lesson plans. I'm creating a whole unit that can be basically taught by any warm body standing in front of these kids because I don't know who's going to take over for me. I don't know who they're going to find in 2 weeks. I just keep praying that it's someone who loves them and loves the content as much as I do. But I've spent basically half a year forging relationships with these kids and developing a repertoire and gaining their trust. You can't learn from anyone if you don't trust them. And it's hard to come in to have a stranger come into that system. And run it differently. And so it's an exercise in letting go and letting God, but it's just hard to see what's right and what's not when it's the church telling you not to do something. And knowing like, that's not the God I know, or I thought I knew. So that brings us to this week where on Tuesday, if there's school, I'm telling the students goodbye. And then Wednesday, crying the whole day, saying goodbye. And then that's it. All contacts lost, starting in January with all of my coworkers and friends and students. It's
0: nuts. Yeah. Well, those, yeah. Thanks for sharing those a lot. Um, so, yeah, I kind of just like want to come back to a few things and maybe just. Sure yeah, kind of expand a little bit. Um, you know, it's like one of the things that you had mentioned, so you're having all these conversations with father Duffner and he's telling you, well, Mm -hmm. just get married. I can do your marriage prep and, Mm. you know, which means, um,
1: so on the December 7th, the same day I meet with, um, Ann and Jay, I, um, go back to my class and I, um, and just, I emailed the receptionist that I'm leaving for the second half of the day because I don't teach. Um, and I was going to take my prep room home. And so I'm packing up and getting everything ready to go. And then I turn around and Father Duffner is standing in my classroom. And he was like, I'm sorry, I owe you a call. And so I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then he offers me to have a seat at a desk in my own classroom. And I was like, I got to put these Chromebooks away. So I put the Chromebooks away. We have some banter about the Chromebooks. He sits down. He says, So, how are you feeling? And I say, Disoriented. And then I don't follow up. And he says, You know, everyone loves you.
0: Hmm.
1: And I said, Yes. And he said, So, what are your thoughts on marriage? I said, I have a lot of thoughts on marriage. And he said, I want to hear all of them. Hmm. And I said, I'm going to need some context. And he said, Well, what do you think about marriage? And I said, I think it's a beautiful, and wonderful sacrament. And then I pause. And then he goes on into, well, we can have a beautiful wedding here by Christmas if you want, and we can get you married and as quick as three weeks, if that is something you're interested in. I would love to help you out with that. Just know that that's an option for you. And I said, thank you. And then he goes on about, again, how it's just about not showing up publicly for me. And it really is a almost a masculinity issue of, you know, men should show up and doing the right thing was the inference. And so I just said, thank you again. And then he shook my hand and said, bless you and left my classroom. And then I left for the day
0: yeah, yeah and, and other than he's not your pastor right?
1: He is not my pastor. <laughs> I've been kind of parish free for a while um, bopping around since living in St. Paul or so I would say Matt more formally has a pastor than I do um, at his church that he grew up with but
0: yeah well yeah you know I mean when it, so when you share that story in the way that he kind of interacts with you, you know, one of the things, I mean, I've been involved in trying to like make sense of and respond to kind of like the clergy abuse crisis. And so like one of the things that I, you know, he kind of like enters the room and like the first thing he tells you is, you know, that we love you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not a question, but it's kind of a, you know, he's kind of like telling you how you feel about them. And to me, I mean, it strikes me as like highly manipulative And I mean, it is the very same thing that actually like child abusers would say to their victims. Yeah.
1: Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. It is that language of, of power. It's, I'm going to say the things that make you feel weak and feel small.
0: Yeah. 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 And, And I mean, not to say that he's a child abuser, but I mean, definitely it's like the same dispositions and I mean, it's, I mean, the same words even. Um, you know, so another thing that you talked about earlier is so there's this view of the school that they kind of need you out or hidden away mm-hmm. or the pregnancy hidden. Mm-hmm. You, you said in order to protect the kids, what what does that yeah. mean?
1: I think it's uh, talking about protecting their innocence and their image of the world. And there's a lot of focus on um, at the school of like let's make these kids saints um, and what it looks like. And we do a lot of virtues training, or we do like a virtue curriculum and we do uh, advisory groups where like we're constantly trying to minister to these kids what it's like to, you know, live pure and righteous lives and make good choices. And part of that is having good role models. So I think it's an attempt to not scandalize them.
0: Yeah. I mean, what what do you, do you think about that? I mean, do you think I don't know. Cause I mean, I think there are some people who might say, well, like there's like a code of conduct and you Mm -hmm. have to comply with it. If you violate it, the school can kick you out. But you know, I hear that. And I think of a couple of things, like I think one, and kind of like you mentioned earlier, then that really communicates to teachers that if you aren't married and you get pregnant, the only way to keep your job is to secretly have an abortion. So that's like one thing that I think of. Um, But then the other thing that I think is, you know. personally I think kind of the benefit of having a teacher like you in the school could, you know, help to demonstrate the kids, you know, when something hard happens, you kind of take responsibility for the things that come your way and, you know, making that hard choice for life, um, which is a challenging one, especially for you. I mean, coming out of this with a sick baby and like having already had a miscarriage, it's a hard position to be in. And one that you're kind of choosing to take on.
1: Yeah. It's something that I'm, it's, None of it's been easy from the beginning. Before I was even pregnant, it wasn't easy with like my idea of what it would look like if I became a mother because of all the complications I thought were going to happen. And now it's a totally different set of complications. I just feel like we can't, I mean, January is about to be pro-life month. And the school last year for pro-life month and my plan this year is to have the kids write an essay in my class. Why am I pro-life? That's, and they do an essay contest. And one of my students got third last year in this national essay contest. Yeah. And it's just about like making the right choices and doing the right thing and like what it means to be pro-life. And abortion is definitely like a cor- cornerstone issue in that. However, when it comes so close to their own role models, It's like, well, that's for us to accept from them. That's not from us to accept from us. Like Mm -hmm. that can't happen in our house. We can't have that issue be so close, so personal. When in reality, like it's so close to them, it's right there and they can't even, they don't even know all the ways to be pro-life as in like accepting a person for, having a baby outside of marriage because the baby is always a good thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's bringing up when you're forcing a marriage on someone, that's coercion. If you're basically holding your job, their job, their employment over their head to say, if you want to do the thing that you love and are good at and, you know, find joy in you have to do a thing that you're not ready for and make a choice quickly and to save face. Yeah
0: it's not just even doing the thing that you love it's also like if you want to be able to have an income and health insurance for your very sick baby your option is to get married or now you're in a position where kind of presented you and said well you know we're going to help you and we're going to like pay your like paycheck through the year and we're going to cover your cobra insurance Mm -hmm. only if you agree to never sue us and never speak about this when you sign once you sign the contract and so like. For you, it's what's the choice really? It's not just yeah. about losing a job, but it's about losing the ability to be able to pay for a doctor for your sick baby. <sighs> yeah. yeah.
1: It's it's assign my voice away or be broke.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, I also think, I mean, you were talking a little bit about yeah, like being an English teacher and your role is like okay, develop a voice and your like voice mm-hmm. is being taken away. But you know, it's not just your voice, but it's also your ability to speak the truth, right?
1: Yes. And isn't that what religion is all about is trying to find absolute truths and essential truths and
0: yeah, yeah. so you know kind of one um so ha- could you maybe just talk a little bit about how you got connected to me and Claire because I think that's another part of this is just for you know, there are a lot of other women who have gone through this experience yeah. and who go through it and just like have no idea what to do
1: my best friend um growing up um i was opening up to her about somewhere between i think i was having a well i was having a miscarriage i was telling her i was having a miscarriage and she was like you know no matter what you're always a mom um like life begins at the beginning like when a, we went to catholic school together she has two small boys we are very close and um, it was just like a friends bonding with friends. And she was there for me. And then a couple of days later, I was like, you're never going to believe what happened. I'm still pregnant. It's so nuts. (laughs) And going from there into like a realm of, I am dealing with so much of this baby physically that I need someone to be there for me emotionally. And we were talking about, uh, I was bummed that I couldn't really have a midwife or something like that. It was going to be a lot more like doctor focused and hospitalized and intense. And with my whole experience, having a miscarriage and doctors not supporting me at all mentally or give me anything. And the minute I'm pregnant, they hand me this whole binder with like pregnancy, mental health information in it on top of physical health. But I was like, where's the miscarriage pamphlet at least in resources. And then my friend mentions Claire and it's like, Oh, I am friends of friends with people who know a doula who is Catholic. And I've hung out with her, with these other girls I know. And I was like, great. And she's like, well, you should reach out to her. So I uh, sent her a message on Instagram and was like, hi, my friend told me about you. I would love to connect and talk to you about being a doula or being my doula. And then as I opened up to her about my situation, I was afraid of getting fired. And because I was working at Epiphany, it was like, oh, ding. And then she shared her story with me and was like, I have also kind of gone head to head with this parish over being silenced, um, and being told like my, like in her article, um, that's posted in her Instagram bio, it's like kind of sw- the nature of sweeping things under the rug happened to her when she was two years ago, when she was going there and we're around the same age. So then she was like, I want to help you in any way I can pretty much right off the bat was super supportive and wonderful and awesome. And then was like built a team of people to help and support me. And then that's when I met you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. One of the things that I think about is, you know, there's so many people who go into this. I mean, when you went into this kind of before you connected with us, because I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I've done a lot of things with the archdiocese. I know the processes I know, like, the characters and like how things tend to be handled. But I mean, once you connected with us, we could kind of walk you through kind of what roughly to expect, Mm -hmm. how to think about certain issues. But I mean, before then, I mean, what, how do you imagine this might have gone differently for you emotionally or being able to handle or deal with this stuff?
1: My brain is mush and in a total mess and so it's really nice to have some guidance of like here are the steps here are it's a david goliath i feel like fighting goliath right now and i don't know any strategy and i would have ambled around and i wouldn't have been able to find a direction of where to go and i wouldn't have known who to talk to or what to say i think i would have been a lot quieter and a lot more like, okay, whatever you say, like you say, you're helping me. Sure. Without realizing, wait, that's not help. That's just, that's not it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely something Claire and I have talked a lot about. And interesting. Her stuff is, you know, when you get, have kind of like, Catholic like leader, especially a priest that's put in front of you and they're telling you, well, like this is what's good for you. And this is what you need to make happen. I don't know. There's just something about it, especially for those of us who grew up Catholic you know, you just kind of take them at their word and you don't really question it. And then for a lot of people, it's only in retrospect that like, actually you realize, like, oh, I went through like this huge injustice. And, well, like, that's my- the
1: same thing with any trauma. Any abusive relationship has that same sort of reality of like in the moment you're like, oh yeah, they love me. And you're like, wait, that's not love. Like that's not leadership.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah, so then another side of this too was also so you know you're trying to like figure this out with the parish and trying to like find help and support. They tell you one thing and then all of a sudden they're kind of like actually we're going to do this other thing and then they a few days later they're like actually we're going to do this other thing and you have a few days to sign this contract or you are not guaranteed income or health insurance for your baby. There's also the like other side of trying to connect with the diocese. We haven't really talked much yeah. about that. Yeah. So you like had reached out to the department of Catholic schools, basically explaining mm-hmm. the situation and saying you need help. Um, yeah. Can you just talk a little bit about that process, what the responses have been, what you make of that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, was put in contact with the head of Catholic schools through you. And I sent her an email just kind of explaining the situation, um, at the end of the week saying I've been given this deadline, uh, where I need to like stay my plan. Um, this is the crazy stuff that's happening to me. This is how I feel about marriage prep. Like I think it's a beautiful thing and I want to do it seriously. And I don't feel like this is the time to do it. So just explaining that situation and being like, here are the players in the game. Like father Duffner is, basically telling me to get married and how it's going to affect my job and not really knowing how to navigate that situation. So uh, I don't get a response. Um, So I basically just forward my email again um, without changing it, timestamped and everything. And I say, here you like, and then I get contacted and I get a call. Um, So I have a phone call last Wednesday before all my doctor's appointments, um, that's like basically phrased as an intake, like tell me what's going on. So I tell my story, I tell my truth. I even mention uh, this contract that I have and I'm not really sure what's happening. And she goes, well, what is your, like, this may seem like a big question, but like, what is your intent with this? And I was like, uh, I don't want to be blacklisted from Catholic schools. I wanna teach in Catholic schools again. Um, and I want to know what my options are here, like with this contract, more or less, not so much asking legal advice, which is what I think their impression was, uh, but I'll get to that. And then m- the main point, which is, I think there's an injustice happening. And I feel like we should always speak out against injustices. So I get a, she said, she's going to contact some people and then get back to me. So I receive an email that basically says, we can't give you legal advice. Here's the Catholic school job board, which I know (laughs) about because that's how I got my job at a Catholic school. Yeah. And then basically telling me that they're going to talk to the church and then asking me if I want to have them reach out and ask more questions about the parish. My interpretation was these people don't want to help me. These people want to like cover up or cover things up. And I've I felt very small. And um even under the guise of like we're praying for you and your baby, it just feels like um almost a thing people have to say to me now. Mm. Um, because it's the right thing to say or the script. It just feels like scripted, and that could be me feeling more jaded at the whole situation and interpreting it weird. Um, It's also hard to know people's intent over email. Uh, But yeah, I just, and now I feel like I don't even want to respond to that email because it's not, none of those options help me. Um, And if I sign this contract, then I can't talk to them anyways. I can't even say anything more than five words.
0: So, yeah, 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 that's just such a, such a hard situation. You know, one of the things, you know, we, when we we're talking, um, kind of like you and I had talked previously about, you know, a lot of the people involved here and there are kind of like different layers to different people who are kind of in this situation. And one of the people we talked about was the principal on the one hand, you said, you know, you do feel like she really does want to help. Mm -hmm. But in a way she, you feel like maybe she's trapped or like what she's participating in something that's really harmful, but, you know, but you don't see her as just a bad person. Um,
1: Correct. I would say um, if I was going to speak a little bit of her character, she just, she knows how much I love the kids and support the kids. And she was there in a meeting with me when I told the other half of my middle school team, um, after we had met, uh, we had all met, I said, can I have a minute and just say what's going on? And I, before I had any paperwork in front of me, told them all, I was like, well, I am, I have a baby who I'm pregnant with, um, who has an fall seal. So I'm not coming back after Christmas break because of the baby and like taking care of him and making sure everything's fine. And she just sat there and cried with me too. So it's like she obviously cares. and she keeps saying she wants to support me in everything. Um, but I do feel like she is limited by what the parish says. like it is a parish school. and I so it's hard to know like who is really in control uh, and who really gets to say and who really has power. and and I think it's just really hard to know like how this decision was made on top of the fact that like her own husband was on an ICU bed dying and the um, father Duffner made her come into work and said that team needs you and then her husband passed away that night and knowing she just came back that day it's because he told her to and she listened to him but I don't know that's just the essence of what I heard
0: yeah yeah I mean it yeah to me I mean that's kind of another like key feature that I've seen both like the clergy abuse crisis, but also with a lot of institutional crises is, you know, kind of at every layer, everyone kind of presents themselves as trapped or as a victim. And it's all the people who actually like have the power in the institution. And in the end, everyone loses sight of the actual victim, the actual person who's most vulnerable. You know, so on the one hand you have, yeah, this principal who, you know, seems to be kind of trapped by what the pastor's doing. And then you, know, you reach out to the archdiocese for help. And then, I mean, like I'd seen the response from them and
1: mm-hmm. they said
0: more or less, well, we can't insert ourselves into this relationship yeah. here. And she's like,
1: well, then what are you doing? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. And ultimately when there's an injustice that happens, everyone positions themselves, everyone who like potentially could help positions themselves as a victim. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: A hundred percent. And it's, it's the idea of, well, this is what we should do. And no one wants to be like, that's not right. Like that's, that's really not what it means. That's not what we, we need to do. Like that's, that's hypothetically what should be done in this situation without taking into account, like this isn't hypothetical. This is, a real situation impacting a hundred kids. I teach a hundred kids.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, impacting a hundred kids and also like impacting like the like health on a woman in a very complicated pregnancy who already has a lot of stress and really should have no stress added.
1: A hundred percent. You can read any article on the emotional state you should be in in pregnancy and it's not this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you I mean, you keep coming back to and talking about like the kids and, you know, for me, that's been kind of, you know, one of the, you know, so, on, you know, what I think that a lot of people, when they get into the situation like this, where they're kind of being offered like a payout to be quiet, you know, one thing they may do is just like basically stop working at that point and just sign the contract and say, you know what, you can figure this out. But I mean that's the opposite of what you've been doing. Like yeah, you've been working <laughs> more than ever to try, you know. And I mean, can you talk yeah. to me about that? Like, why? What? what yeah, does that mean sure. to you?
1: Yeah, um, sure. So I've been described as a doer <laughs> by a lot of people, and like I need to do things, and it's how I process, and it's how I help. And I just, I know that because of my actions, there's like a disservice happening to my students. Um also a bunch of other actions, but I do have some ownership into what's happening here. Like I could get married and teach, um, that's on the table. So it's hard to reconcile the, like, this is the right choice for me to not do this. However, that choice impacts a hundred kids and a hundred kids at like a very crucial age, midway through the year in, um, in a school that like, doesn't really have that sort of thing happen. Um, Teachers aren't in and out. Teachers are there for a while and they're all involved in the community and like it's a very tight knit group. Um, And so knowing what I know and knowing how I teach and knowing like what I've built, I can't walk away from it without giving it as much solid footing as possible. I can't pass the baton knowing that into nothingness. So I've, worked through and developed curriculum as far out as I can. I have like made over 200 pages of plans and it's all I do now during my normal teaching day on top of finishing my master's uh, because it's the right thing to do because it's not about me, it's about the kids. That's why I teach, that's why I'm in this job is to i mean like if i wanted money i wouldn't be a teacher <laughs> so it's like hard to say okay i'm gonna accept this what feels like a bribe to stop doing my favorite thing and like my vocation it's messed up
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean i don't know like you just you know i mean i know that this is about like Your kids but this is also about you um and you know i think part of it too is thinking about um you know you may have a kid one day who grows up to be a teacher and finds themselves in the very situation you're in you know and so i think yeah also part of um yeah like doing what's best for you and your baby is also like in a lot of ways like modeling to them yeah what to do in in a hard situation um
1: Yeah. Well, it's, what do you, what's the value here? Like, what do I, what do I value? You know, my baby. And so it's like, how do I put that above things and navigate that? Like, is it, that's the huge question of, is it better for my baby to walk away from this contract and blab my mouth? Like I love to do about this is an injustice and this should be happening. Like make some noise. Or do I say, okay, no, it's best for my baby to shut up, take the money, clear my head, you know, make sure everything is okay and just like not worry. But the whole time, knowing that I've let a major injustice happen, or I did, I just, I just let it happen. Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't know. I think that's a lot of, you know, a lot of people in situations like this where they're a victim of injustice. Like, I think that's like, yeah, that is a common struggle. Uh, you know, a question of like, do I, like, did I do enough? And, you know, like, yeah, I think that's really hard. Cause I mean, victims tend to like throw the blame back on themselves. <laughs> in yeah. A lot of ways. And I think that's, yeah, that's really. But I mean, I don't know, like, I do think, um, you know, like being yourself, and, like taking care of your baby, that's always a good thing to do. Yeah. If it's Yeah. I don't know. So I don't. So thinking about, you know, this isn't the first time that this has happened. It certainly won't be the last. Mm-hmm. You know, is there like any advice or anything that you would want to say if you like encountered a woman who is who came to this situation?
1: I think it's the same thing with, um, relating it back to when I had a miscarriage, it's just like, we need to talk about it. We need to normalize it. We need to say like, this happens to me, fellow woman, and it's horrible and it's not supported. And it's something that you need to like, go run to people who are suffering from the same thing and say like, I've been there. It is the worst. There is no easy way to cope or handle or deal with this situation. The same with like abuse victims. Anytime anyone is manipulated or coerced or silenced, that's like, we need to run to them with support. And I, that's the other thing is like, if I find out about this happening to someone else, I can't go Me Too if I've signed this. I can't go. I've been there. I see you. I'm here with you. Mm. I can go like, I got paid for eight months.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, that's another hard thing too. Yeah. I mean, if you have a teacher who, yeah, is struggling with the situation and like, I mean, maybe they're struggling with the question of like, do I keep the baby? You know, the person best positioned would be some to help would be someone like you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah
1: it's just and it's so hard because like so many women like in catholic institutions working high up probably do have abortions for that same reason of like this this social construct of shame and it's christmas time and i've been reading these daily advent bible passages of the birth story and i've never i've never understood it the way i understood it now because mary and joseph weren't married and she was pregnant and nobody talks about that
0: like yeah.
1: they were engaged traveling around jesus was born in a barn like to unmarried parents how do we let that go like why why is that not something that we are like oh yeah I mean mary i am no mary however <laughs> it's like that narrative is twisted into something totally different and you can make it whatever you want it's just it's what's truth that question just keeps coming up to me it's like what's the truth what's reality what's going on do i know what's going on am i doing the right thing
0: yeah 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 i mean i don't know and i mean i've told you this before like for me it's just you know, when you're a victim in this kind of situation, you're only presented with bad options. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, like, you know, like, do I sign, do I not sign? Um, You know, it's not a question of, like, do I make, like, the right or the wrong choice? But, you know, you you just kind of have to make a choice. (laughs) And, you know, and it's just, it's so unjust that it's being put on you. But, like, the injustice is not, like, you know, certainly at this point, it's not of your making, you know.
1: Uh-huh. I I teach this exact situation to my eighth graders every year at the beginning of the year through Robert Frost that wrote not taken poem of you can't make two choices you can't know what's going to happen it's going to every choice impacts your whole life um, and you can't go back and make that same choice again ever mm. and it's something like I teach and I have them write and journal and like meditate on more or less and here I am being like I've taught this four years in a row and I'm still here. Like, how do you make this choice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Thanks for listening. As I mentioned, she and I haven't spoken about this since she signed the contract with Epiphany. So first I want to say to her, I'm so sorry that you had to go through this. This was a grave injustice. And also, thank you. Thank you for entrusting me with your story. It's been such an honor and a privilege to receive it, to hold on to it for this time and now, months later, to share it. Thank you for your voice. I know that I've been better for having heard your voice and I know that others will be as well. So where do we go from here as a church, as a community, as an archdiocese? First, I would like to issue an invitation to Epiphany and to all Catholic schools who've silenced vulnerable women in this way. Wave the silence that you've placed upon them. As a church, we should be beyond the use of payouts and confidentiality agreements to hide our scandals. This situation is a scandal and a grave one, I would also invite all Catholic institutions to make a pledge. A pledge for life and for women. A pledge that no students, faculty, or staff will face disciplinary or adverse actions because of an unplanned pregnancy. No woman should have communicated to her, no matter how subtly, the only way for you to stay here is to secretly have an abortion. If we want a culture of life, a culture where abortion is unthinkable, We must lead and right now we're behind.